Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture this morning is not the most familiar one. It's uh, hidden away in 2 Kings chapter 4, but here this story of provision beginning in verse 42. A man came from Baal Shalisha bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, Give it to the people and let them eat. The servant said, How can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, Give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. He set it before them. They ate and they had some left, according to the word of the Lord. Well, the prophet Elijah had a really spectacular career. I don't, I don't know if they keep stats like in Major League Baseball about prophet careers, but by any measure, Elijah's a standout. You, you remember he defended uh, the worship of Yahweh over the Canaanite deity Baal, fire from the sky, the ascension uh, into the heavens in the chariot of fire, this grand and glorious life of service to God, the God of Israel. But then, you remember the story, in the sunset of his life, Elijah was succeeded by his disciple, his most devoted assistant, Elisha, and literally the mantle of leadership is passed. And since that time, generations of preachers would have had it much easier if their names had been more dissimilar. It is hard to keep the stories of Elisha and Elijah straight. But when Elijah passed the mantle to Elisha, the spiritual leadership of the Israelites entered into a new season. And externally, This is not a good season at all. Israel is in a time of great strife. Great strife doesn't exactly get at it. Uh, It was wartime. It was bad. Israel's at war with Syria. Fear is in the air like Atlanta humidity. Nothing seems sure. Nothing seems nailed down. Life is in flux. Resources are scarce. The region is marked by this profound lack There's shortage everywhere. There is not enough. And they look to Elisha, whose name means God has granted salvation, and they wonder how in the world that could be true. And then this man, this man from Baal Shalisha, has this remarkable act of faithfulness and generosity and kindness. And and because there is so much scarcity, it makes this all the more remarkable. 
He presents himself to the prophet Elisha, gives him food for the prophet's use. Not a, not a huge amount of food, but it was the best he had, first fruits, the finest in his possession. But still, it, it's one sack of food. Barley loaves and grain, but it's a sack of groceries. He presents it to the admired prophet. It's a generous gift especially when people are trying to stretch their meager grain just to keep alive. And Elisha says, well, give it to the people and let them eat. Well, the, the others in the room are looking at each other funny. It's, it's, it's one sack of groceries, right? It's not like he's going back to the truck and bringing more. This is, this is it. This is hardly enough food to invite the neighbors. And so, Elisha's servant finally turns to the great man and says, how can I set this in front of a hundred people? And Elisha just repeats himself. He says, give it to the people, let them eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. And so he does. And the people tear into this one sack of groceries, eating like a pack of famished dogs. They ate ravenously until they thought one more barley loaf and they'd just spill over. They stretched out, unbuttoned the top button of their jeans, and looked around and there was still a little food left. God provides abundantly when there seems to be not enough. A couple of years ago, I'm sitting at the table with a bunch of preacher friends, and as usual, the conversation got, finally got around to preaching, because it's reassuring when you sit at the table with the fraternity of people who know the terror and the honor of preaching every week. Every Monday, there is a blank computer screen and a holy calling. Well, anyway, one of the guys is complaining, and he says, you know, I feel like I preach the same six or eight sermons every week. A d different passage, different title, but, but it feels like I'm preaching the same sermons over and over and over. One of the other guys says, well, maybe we all are, and maybe the whole gospel really is about eight themes, and we probably do it right to preach it over and over and over. Not like anybody's exactly mastered the eight looking for a new list or anything, right? Well, then another buddy said, I think the best preachers I know are preaching one sermon over and over. And if that's the case, what's your one sermon? Well, that went into some interesting directions, as you might imagine. But, but I want to loop back to the earlier insight. What if story after story in our holy book is illustrating a few simple themes over and over and over in different ways? What if we are seeing essential truths of living in God's hope repeated so that we get to see multiple examples of God's grace in real living. Well, let's take today's story. 
today's theme and just see what I mean. So here's a reasonable summary of today's scriptural theme. God provides abundantly when there seems to be not enough. Does that theme show up all over Scripture or what? Of course, Miss Heather was already ahead of me. She read today's passage and said, you know what? That makes me think of a boy with a lunch pail and in the hands of Jesus, 5,000, right? God's abundant provision when we're convinced there's just not enough. But this is not by any means the only other story with this theme. If you start looking for it, it starts popping up all over the place from Genesis to Revelation. You go to Genesis, there are people in exile, they're grumbling because there's too little to eat. There's not enough, there's not enough. And here comes manna from heaven and there's too much. And God's abundant provision has happened when they're convinced there's not enough. Then if you reach all the way to Revelation, where the human species is described as wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, that's some real suffering for you. But just a few verses later, the suffering self is in the presence of a throne, and the one seated there looks like Jasper and Carnelian, and around his throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald provision that's more than we could have imagined. God's abundant provision when we thought there was not enough. Oh, and you don't even have to go far away from today's story. Today's story was in the fourth chapter of 2 Kings, and we don't have to reach all the way back to Genesis or run all the way to Revelation to find this thing. You can just flip over a couple of pages And you'll find two stories in the same chapter of God providing more than was expected. First, there's a story of a widow who's behind on her payments. Creditors are coming. She's scared. She confesses her fear to Elisha. There's not enough. And Elisha says, what shall I do for you? Do you have anything in the house? She says, nothing. Well, well, nothing but a, but a jar of oil. Then Elisha tells her to go to all of her neighbors and get oil jars, which are all empty, but go get their oil jars. She sends her daughters out all over the neighborhood. They're collecting oil jars, but they're all empty. She, she takes the oil jars when they come back in, and she pours them into her oil jar. I don't know how you pour an empty oil jar into an oil jar. But somehow in all of that, there is oil everywhere. Emptiness poured onto emptiness, but somehow there is this flood of oil all over. And God's abundant provision has happened again when we were convinced there wasn't enough. Then story number two. First, maybe you're one of the ones in here who just doesn't need somebody else's oil or barley cakes. Uh, You might be one of the ones with a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds and T-bills and 
buffered against any kind of fickle market. And the house is paid for, and your money's making money, and, and you don't need God to provide. You've got barns that are plenty full, and you've got so many barley loaves, your grandchildren won't need barley loaves. Well, it's as though this next story anticipated your challenge. Because not every story of not enough is a story of barley loaves and bank balances. Here's the second story. Right after Elisha leaves the widow's house that now has a ripe smell of olive oil, he goes to the home of a rich woman. She told Elijah, stop by any time you're in the area. So he does, and they sit down to a nice dinner at her bountiful table. Then she says to her husband, this is a holy man of God. We need to make a regular guest room for him so he can stay with us whenever he's in the area. So they build him a roof chamber with walls and a bed, table, chair, lamp, so he can stay with them anytime he's in town. Elisha is struck by her generosity, and he asks, is there anything I can do for you? Can I speak a good word, maybe exercise a little influence with the king or the commander of the army? I know those guys. I mean, what do you give a woman who has everything? But you and I both know that there are heartaches in every tax bracket. I mean, these people have plenty to eat and probably have beach houses to boot. But they suffer too. And the rich and generous woman leaves the room in all of her self-sufficiency. But then it's her servant girl who leans over to Elisha. Her name is Gehazi. And she whispers this to when the woman of the house leaves. She says, I know her suffering. She has no son Her husband is old. She has no son. It's her greatest pain, her ongoing heartbreak. So Elisha calls the woman of the house back in and declares to her, at this season in due time, you will embrace a son. (laughs) Another story of God's abundant provision when we've been convinced there's not enough. And it's not true just for people who worry if their checks will bounce. Well, who knows? Maybe there are just eight sermons that are preached over and over and over. If that's the case, this sermon deserves to be one of them. Because it keeps showing up in the scriptures over and over and over. I didn't do a full run by any means. We could be here next Sunday still going through the text where I reach it in and grab another story of God's provision. But did you notice that as miracles go, these are not very big or loud? In fact, in fact, most of the stories I've told today are a little mundane. A woman who's threatened by bill collectors and 
a rich woman who cries at night because she's not able to get pregnant. A guy who has a bag of groceries that ends up feeding a hundred people. I mean, none of this is like the parting of the Red Sea, right? But it is episode after episode of God's grace showing up in the ordinary for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. If we're looking, there is example after example of God's abundant provision when we have been convinced there just isn't enough. Some in our faith community are fretting right now over limitations of health and age. Not enough. Not enough good days left. Not enough medical options. Some, like the widow we talked about, have the very real threat that there's not enough to pay the bills. COVID's wrecked more than one stable wage earner. And in some places, the bills are coming faster than the paychecks. It's just not enough. Some are trying for new jobs, promotions, being told not enough, not enough experience, not enough education, just not enough. Some of you are wringing your hands like me, wondering what church is going to look like. And we're getting a little more people each week. We're, we're kind of moving along, but are there going to be enough people come back? Will, will there be enough people join and create a sense of vibrancy and hope? Or will there not be enough? How about the summer giving campaign? We haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. It, it continues to lag. Is the church just going to stay behind because it's a pandemic year? Is the budget going to suffer? Is there just not going to be enough? And amid our constant worry, our convincing sh- stories that we keep telling each other of shortage and lack and scarcity... God is showing in Scripture and all around, if we're looking, that God's economy knows no scarcity. Even to the the last story, even though we know we live in a world of limits and finitude, the final story, the final fear that it's not enough ends the same way. The Apostle Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So even when we reach the final end and cry out, there's not enough. There's not enough strength in the heart. There's not enough oxygenization in the blood. Not enough healthy cells to fight off the malignancy. Paul says, even in that story of not enough, to die is gain. We're convinced there's not enough, but God continues to provide abundantly. I've started to try to pay better attention, right? I mean, if, if grace is found in the ordinary, you can find it if you look. And I encourage you, it's all kind of fun 
I encourage you to just get down on your hands and knees and just on all fours go rummaging around and looking for the abundance of God and you'll start seeing it all over the place. I mentioned that it was last week or the week before, I mentioned that most mornings I take about a one-hour walk. And, and, and so I've started taking that walk with these glasses on, not these glasses, my contacts are bothering me, but with the glasses of grace on, watching God's abundance. And, and I walk by a pear tree that's on my walk, and most of the time... It looks dead. But by God's magic, at this time of the year, it starts producing. And and what I noticed this week on my walk was that at the base of this pear tree, there are about 50 pears just on the ground, fallen and bruised and critter eaten. And I've got no idea how many uh, pears have been harvested off of that tree this season, but on the ground was a whole bunch of extra because God had created more than what was needed. And over and over and over again, that is how God works. God is providing more abundantly than we can imagine. However convinced we are, there's not enough. Thanks be to God. If you have never thrown your trust into that loving relationship, that's the invitation of the church. And if you want a good and broken people to be partner with you in discipleship and understanding how to grow in that relationship, we're your place. So I'll be down front if you have a decision to make, either for for opening your life to the love of God in Christ for the first time, or to tell us that you're ready to throw your life in with us to be partner on that journey. Let's stand and sing and respond. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.